0: Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. Welcome to Margins, where we have conversations with change agents. I'm Dr. Christopher Witt. Not too long ago, I had Scott van der Wolstein of the City of Davenport, their Inclusion and Equity Administrator, along with Greg Aguilar of the Quad Cities Chamber of Commerce, who's their Director of Talent Attraction and Retention, on for a discussion about diversity, inclusion, and equity. And that discussion was so good that we needed to come back and continue talking about it, but talk about it more from the perspective of what actions need to be taken. How do organizations or communities really make these things a reality? So I'm so happy that they've been able to join us again. Scott and Greg, I really want to thank you all for coming back. So um, last time we ended up talking about really making diversity, inclusion and equity priorities. But when we're making those priorities, how do we actually make them effective priorities where, where people are actually taking action on, on making those changes?
1: Part of that, in my opinion, is where's the greatest need? And there sometimes it is in talent. Other times it is in, in business or customers. And what I have had various conversations on is there are communities not far from the Quad Cities which are becoming minority-majority. And those are the larger communities where a lot of businesses go for to find the talent they need to work their businesses. Now, because there haven't been very good relationships with often a lot of those communities of color that have been growing, these companies and businesses are finding it harder to even recruit talent and to find people in those growing communities to work those jobs. And so I guess to answer the question is, where is the greatest need? And I I would begin there.
0: Thanks, Greg. I I think that you really come with a great perspective of, of looking at this from a regional perspective. And I think that those types of observations can be of great use not only here in the Quad Cities region, but across the nation. Now, Scott, you come at things from a, of course, you have a broad perspective, but you certainly have a focus in a particular city. So in Davenport, How are you all trying to work to make these things move off the page in terms of being priorities and be priorities in the actions of what goes on in the city?
2: Sure. Uh, Well, glad to be back, uh, Chris. This is fantastic. Um, We're constantly, I think it's the two two most public-facing departments within pretty much any city, but within the city of Davenport are our police and fire departments. And, uh, you know, we're a diverse community within Davenport, but our police and fires are there's a pretty big gap a significant gap there in being representative of our broader demographics so we're taking a very proactive approach because it's one of those things that we're constantly talked about or and told about from our own citizens is like why are there not more african-american officers why are there not more hispanic firefighters uh where are our asian uh detectives and all of that so we're taking some proactive steps uh in our strategic recruitment and then also a longer term, uh, prospect of working more, much more closely with the Davenport school districts in the junior highs and the high schools on mentoring and nurturing those young men and women, uh, who are, who have an interest in law enforcement to get them through the process. Um, we've had two, uh, police department hiring processes within the last, uh, year, and then one fire department hiring process. And each time we, have over 300 applicants apply for the positions, whether, whether it be the police department or fire department. And at that particular time uh, with the initial applications, we're reaching the demographics of our broader community. But it's, you know, within both testing processes, it's a, it's a four to five month testing process. So individuals drop out or they become disqualified or they don't show up. Um, so it's it's been a definite struggle, but I think taking the long-term approach with working with our schools in, in a kind of a mentoring fashion with our young men and women who have, who've expressed a desire, that's kind of our path forward. And we, we know it's an important because we want the children, that are in our neighborhoods all over the city when they see a uh, Davenport police officer or they see a bunch of firefighters on a fire truck, we want them to be able to look at that particular car, you know, police car or fire truck, and see themselves there. I think that's the key, and that's important, and that's the goal. And we'll eventually get there, but it's gonna take some time.
0: Yeah, I mean, when, when you talk about that, I, I like what you're saying in terms of the pipeline, that a lot of times when it comes to just the pipeline for the entry level, the pipeline for leadership, whatever it's going to be, a lot of times we need to look at, well, what processes are in place? What Who are the people who are in those positions now? And how might we reverse engineer things? What were the things that made it so they could be in those positions? What networks, what support, uh, what points in their life earlier got them in positions of leadership or positions to to really be affecting uh, change in those organizations? And then if we want to diversify, then we need to really build those pipelines and be intentional about it. So I really like what you're saying with that. And I really think that it's important for us to to look at our structures, to look at our structures and processes and figure out where we can make some adjustments, because a lot of times we don't want to do that work or we see that organizations don't want to engage in that work. They certainly want to, you know, kind of make the show. Of how these things are important, but until work is done to change processes, until work is done to really figure out the best ways to get people involved, you're not really going to see
1: change. I mean, what do you think about that, Greg? I think you... You hit the nail on the head when we have to be aware of the process. And too often we hear, oh, we already know this person or you've met this person before. They were in – you met them through church or you met them through this networking opportunity. And people have to – if that is the process – People also need to take an extra look and saying, how do people get plugged into those opportunities? Are they inclusive? Are they engaging? Are they reaching out to people who might be different than them? Because the structures that are set in place often create an environment where it's very easy to say, oh, no one else applied. Well, maybe because they didn't hear about it. Or we should go with candidate Z because they're related to so-and-so or they're a, a they're connected to the structure already. And the challenge with that is other people can't get in and you can't diversify. And to make, you know, to take it one step further, it has a economic effect on the region because often communities that offer positions, they might offer a pension, they might offer insurance, and that helps create a more healthy environment for individuals who can also contribute back. But if you remove the majority of people from this process and only include those that are connected to the structure, that money is going to continue staying in that community. Those health benefits are going to continue staying and everyone else is going to be left behind, which creates a bigger issue down the road where you might see a a rise in people who are sick, who can't get access, or maybe you see a rise in crime and it has an effect on each other. But being aware of the structures of how we engage people we want to contribute to our organization is extremely important.
2: Yeah, socioeconomics are such a is such a crucial component of this broader conversation. Uh, you're right on, Greg. When you talk about uh, you know increasing prosperity, uh, has a net positive effect for our broader community, our broader region, um, and it is so important uh, because then that money that is remaining within you know the family, they then turn are supporting other businesses who are supporting families themselves who are family owned businesses. So that it's such a crucial cycle that really needs to be nurtured and bolstered by, you know, everyone's uh, focus.
1: And That's also part. and also, be prepared to make sure that everyone understands that nobody is losing. By breaking these power structures or by breaking these organizational structures, it's not like somebody else isn't going to receive. It's still going to get out there. And, I, and we have to be aware that there are those who feel that if we do diversify or if we break from status quo – The the, the structures may not be receiving their fair share, and the reality is that's not true. I mean, people aren't born
0: with a stamp on their head that says, you will work at this company. You will be the vice president or president of this organization. So... With that in mind, and if we're really going to kind of embrace this idea in the United States of it being a more of a meritocracy where, where people are going to be valued for the skills that they bring to the table, then we really shouldn't think of things as a gain for one community or game gain for people who are from communities that have been marginalized as uh, something that hurts other communities. A lot of times we either think of that kind of zero sum game type of context, or we really don't think in with enough complexity when it comes to really saying, well, okay, we need to think in terms of equity, that we get people what they need to succeed. To in order to say, well, all right, if if one person is 6'10 and the other person is five foot one and we bring a step stool in we shouldn't be mad that one person needed a step stool. Now, whatever they do with whatever they're getting off the shelf after that, then that's up to them. And a lot of times, when we start to talk about organizations being proactive on diversity, organizations having people who are in administrative roles who are bringing expertise and organization and accountability to whatever entity they're working for, a lot of times people will look at it as, oh, well, that's a waste of money, or why are you putting resources? Into that, or why are you even reaching out and doing something different for people who may be different while they're forgetting generational structures and differing experiences? That's where that equity component comes in. And that's where I think that as a nation, and particularly in these various organizations, we need those professionals. We need people who are experts to get us to the next step where hopefully in a generation or two, we don't need them because everybody embraces that. But how do you all feel about this idea of equity that sometimes you need to do things a little bit
1: differently with different groups of people because of the history that's involved? Well, part right off the bat, diversity is only the first step. And I'm really happy that you brought up equity because, of course, there's diversity having a variety of people and make sure that more people are connected to whatever you're working on and then making sure that you're inclusive and you invite them and be a part of it. But even though they're a part of it, if they don't have the right tools to be successful, it's not equitable. We might have diversity, but it doesn't matter if it's not equitable diversity because then we're not able to tap into the talents if they don't have the tools and resources to be successful. And then often what happens is maybe an organization crosses the path to diversity, but that person isn't happy because they don't have equal opportunities to succeed or to advance or to move up. And then that's a problem.
2: And I, and I think it's the right thing to do. I mean, just at at the basic level, this is the right thing to do. And I think we you know kind of have a moral and ethical obligation, um, you know, as as a, uh, a staff person in city government. You know, our city is responsible responsible for all 103,000 uh, citizens who call Davenport home, and uh, you know we need to make sure that every single one who interacts with us. Kind of has the same experience, the same access, the same uh, takeaways and making sure that, uh, you know, know, that we're doing the most equitable work we can and making sure that, you know, we're calling ourselves out, too, when we're maybe falling behind on something.
0: Yeah, I mean, really, you know, putting people in the position to succeed, but also... Uh, Breaking down barriers and obstacles to that success. Uh, If you're going to say, well, hey, we haven't had a woman within this whatever work group, or we haven't had a person of color in another work group, and you just drop that person in that environment. And you don't make sure that you're checking in to make sure that there aren't barriers there. You're not checking in to make sure that that person's supported. You're not making sure that this person who's maybe having new experiences that nobody has ever had has some type of support. It's not really doing a service to that person. Uh, It really puts that person in a position where they're almost set up to not do as well as they could do. Whereas when you give people the proper support, I mean, I think of it with my background from way back in the day with being an athlete a long time ago. But I mean, the whole idea that you're not going to have coaches put players out there and not really meet them where they are. A good coach is going to take a look at their team and figure out who has which talents, who needs more help, less help, who needs more training, who needs uh, physical therapy, who needs to be coached up on the playbook, whatever it's going to be. Nobody has a problem with that. But then all of a sudden, when we start to talk about uh, educational uh, spaces, when we talk about workforce, when we talk about workplaces, then everybody wants everything to be exactly equal. But we're not all exactly the same. We bring different talents, but we also need to be treated just a little bit differently in some circumstances within reason. Would you all agree with that?
1: We need to meet people where they're at. And that's bottom line. And the the last time we were here talked about how. Some of the organizations that are successful is when the leadership commits to it, finds a champion, and and gets everyone on board. One part that I forgot to mention last time I was here is even before you open the door to diversity, everyone has to look at their own organization or their own business and ask, are the people involved with this organization ready for diversity? Do they have the skills? Are they culturally competent to handle the diversity that comes? Because just like when you bring a new player to a team and the coach sees that they have a unique skill... Often the coach will have to develop other players to be able to work with that skill so they could be more successful. The same holds place in an organization and a workforce is by having people understand that difference is a good thing. Having people respect and understand people's differences helps build a stronger team because it's very difficult to to not like someone whose story you understand. But if you do not understand their story and you don't care, it's just going to make it tougher for that new player on the team. But developing the entire team and the individuals before they even start playing ball is a huge step that I I forgot to mention last time.
0: I mean, I'm glad that you brought that up because that, that kind of rolls into something else that we talked about last time is this idea that each of us have so much complexity in our identities that we bring so much to the table and then a lot of times the one of the first steps to developing a culturally competent community or workplace is for people to really recognize where their intersecting identities are a lot of times people think of themselves as the default particularly when they're in the majority so well i'm just regular i'm just me i'm not a race I'm not a gender, I'm not a sexuality, whatever it is, if they're in the majority in a particular circumstance and everyone who's different, well, they need to get in line with me. But when people really take the time to look themselves in the mirror and say, well, what, where do I fall on the spectrum when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to race, ethnicity, religion, all of those things that we do have these differences and not to be differences that should be pushed to the side, but that should be recognized I think then it's an easier task to then ask people to recognize and celebrate those differences in other people. A lot of times in my experience, I've seen the first step when trying to diversify any type of organization is to automatically go look for folks who are different than whoever's there right now. But the the step that you mentioned, Greg, in getting the people to really think about, okay, what are we doing as a workplace? I mean, that's utterly important that they need to be ready to be able to support the difference when the difference comes and to really be equitable in how they do that. And and make sure that there's basically some justice there when the folks come in.
1: And that's important because. If a business especially is creating a diversity outreach plan where they see a growing segment of the population and they want to tap into that for their business, if they open the doors and they put a lot of money in, research and development and marketing and even hiring your champion, once those doors are open and, and new new people come in, if the others in the organization aren't ready, it could totally derail all the work that has been done. It could crush it. And there are various steps that are required to make that successful. Because once people understand the opportunity that's going to be coming in through those doors, they're more likely to offer a smile and say, yes, I am ready for this. I want to work with this community, This which is new. And every, and the organization can thrive. But if the people are not ready for it, it could derail everything that was done.
2: Yeah, that's that's so key. One of my organizational responsibilities within the city of Davenport is, uh, you know, we're a strengths-based organization uh, based from our leadership uh, in right in city administration. And uh, as the Gallup Certified Strengths Coach for the city, their staff, one of the true tenets of uh, coaching people on their talents and their natural strengths and their natural abilities is to increase their self-awareness about those talents and those abilities. And once you increase those that self-awareness, you kind of really much open their world to a new perspective and allow new perspectives to come in as well. You kind of Turn them into a sponge, essentially, and allows these new ideas and these new thoughts, new ways of thinking, uh, new organizational processes to kind of be met with um, more so enthusiasm versus maybe a a brick wall as in the past.
0: And when you say that in going through those, you know, the analysis of individual strengths and really nurturing that, I mean, we talked off air about this idea that you'll be working with people on a monthly basis with having uh, workshops and other things based around uh, those strengths that even in an organization that maybe doesn't feel as diverse as it could be, people end up finding more diversity because you're talking about diversity of these strengths. But then also, if they get in tune with those strengths as different people come on board, they may have things that will to the naked eye would be diverse. But then you, and you're you able to build connections with people because even if they're of a different sexuality, gender, ethnicity, geographic origin, whatever it may be, maybe you share strengths or maybe you have commonalities. I mean, would you say that when people are in touch with who they are and the diversity that they hold within them, that it makes it easier to connect with others?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, are you building an awareness and on an individual level within each employee, but then you're also exposing them to the, or increasing their self-awareness of their coworkers and their colleagues, various talents and strengths and what how, how they tick, you know, why they do what they do. So then you're essentially just building a much more cohesive team. And I think, from my perspective, being in local government, where you know we're we are a bureaucracy, we got our systems and our structures in place. But I think you know one of the byproducts of this is going to be we're going to be a better functioning entity of local government for the taxpayers who allow us to do what we do.
1: And that is a great first step in development is raising awareness of oneself, raising awareness of how a person learns. But also importantly, when it comes to diversity, inclusion and equity is raising awareness of every individual's unconscious bias. We all have it. But often we don't talk about it or because we are stuck in group thinking where everyone in my work group thinks like me, so I must be okay. And we have to overcome that because when people can become self-aware and see the issues that might be wrong with either the service they're giving or the way they might be seeing or treating other people – you can start correcting that action to benefit the organization as opposed to ignoring it, never raising it as an issue, and again, having it derail something down the road. But people need to be aware of how they think and why they think the way that they do, especially in the opinions they have towards other peoples based off of their race, gender, religion. I think that awareness is something
0: that's so important, and it really brings everything together that we've been talking about. So I think for now, we can, we can stop there. But, but I have a feeling that uh, I, we'll be inviting you all back because this conversation could go on and on and on. So I want to thank you once again for coming back. I want to thank you for all of the insights that you've given today as we've continued our conversation on uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity. And I want to wish the best to both of you in doing this work. So thank you.
2: Thank, thank you, you Chris. Chris. It's been a high honor.
0: It's been a pleasure to have such a great conversation on diversity, inclusion, and equity, and I'm sure everyone's learned a whole lot. And this conversation probably will continue in the future.